If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Sounds good, right? There are a lot of places you can host your podcast. Those other podcast hosting sites love to make you pay, thinking they're doing you a favor. Not at Anchor. Folks, this is free. None of Anchor's competitors make distribution and monetization as seamless as Anchor does. I predict Anchor to be the face of podcasting in the next five years. If you're an experienced podcaster or a newcomer, doesn't make a difference. Get your show on Anchor today. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's Preston Super Show, and you didn't come here for the average. You didn't come here for some regular show that you could have heard anywhere else. Could have heard someone ramble on about a little, but, 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 whatever, whatever they got to say. No, 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 no. You came to Preston Super Show because you want the real, you want the unfiltered. You're tired of all this other crap going on. So we're going to get right into some cool news. Uh, some of the coolest news I've seen this week. And the first official Mountain Dew cocktail is going to debut at Red Lobster. Red Lobster claims the cocktail pairs well with its cheese-flavored biscuits. Now that sounds good. Sounds pretty fire. Taco Bell debuting a Jalapeno Noir wine in Canada suggests pairing it with Cheddar Chalupa. Well, that sounds good, too. A lot of good ideas here. We got too many good ideas going on right now. I never thought I'd say that, but we do. We have too many good ideas. Red Lobster and Pepsi Company are reportedly working on future collaborations with the Frito-Lay and Quaker brand of products as well. This is a pretty big undertaking right here. Um, this is a piece by Michael Holland from Fox News on foxnews.com. And it's really interesting to see from a business standpoint uh, the collaboration between the companies, especially for something as just wild as this. This is why the food industry is always interesting. So here's a tip to everybody that's investing or trading. You got Mountain Dew, so Pepsi Company, Red Lobster, collaboration. Also future collaboration with Frito-Lay and Quaker brand products as well. So it's something to look into there. Definitely something to look in, into there. And the Cheddar Bay Biscuits. And Red Lobster, I actually had those before, and they they are good. But I didn't. I never thought of having a cocktail at Red Lobster. But that's just me. 
Have you seen the McDonald's Travis Scott meal? Have you seen this? Because I, I seen the uh, I went to McDonald's the other day and seen this. This meal comes with a quarter pounder burger with cheese, bacon, and shredded lettuce, a Sprite, soda, and fries dipped in barbecue sauce for just six bucks. It's a really great deal. I have nothing to do with it because the only thing I get at McDonald's is two McChickens and a fry. It's the only thing I will buy from McDonald's. But a lot of people do like quarter pounders and cheeseburgers, hamburgers. You know what I mean? Everybody's different. But McDonald's is temporarily controlling the supply of some of the required ingredients to make sure the meal remains available nationwide. When I seen it, I didn't know if it was just like, is this just a, like, Illinois thing or Chicagoland thing? What is this? I guess it's going nationwide. Like I said, that's a great deal for six bucks. But yeah, it's, it's disrupting McDonald's supply chain. Do you believe that? That's insane. It's causing ingredient shortages. This is all from Amelia Lucas. Uh, at cnbc.com she's written uh, about this she has a nice column here but no I mean this is just insane McDonald's Travis Scott meal for six bucks you get the quarter pounder with the cheese the bacon the lettuce but I of course you get lettuce though that's weird that didn't she put that Sprite soda and fries dipped in barbecue sauce <clears throat> well we could talk about that for a second, uh, dipping your fries in barbecue sauce is really not that much different from dipping them in ketchup. But I just still don't like. I just use ketchup. I never like. I'll I'll get the I'll get up and get the ketchup. They should just give you a few uh, ketchup packets with that, because I don't want to dip my fries in barbecue sauce. That's like if I'm if I'm just feeling super lazy. The biggest news of the week that really no one's talking about, and I haven't heard anywhere, and I'm sure somewhere, you know, someone's mentioned it or something, but I, I haven't seen it. I, I browse around different things, and I haven't seen anybody talking about this, really. So Science Times writes about uh, Russia declaring Venus a Russian planet. Uh, and the really... This, like I said, this is this is huge, and I'm we'll, we'll get into why this is so important. In 1969, the United States sent astronauts to the moon, had them placed uh, the American flag. So 1969, right? So we set the stage there. That you know that move was justified in the middle of the space race with the USSR which is modern-day Russia. It, it was not a sign to reclaim the entire moon, but was only a symbolic move, is what the Science Times says. Recently, scientists have found evidence of biosignature in the atmosphere of Venus, which may indicate the presence of life in some form on the planet. Shortly after, Russia's space chief claims that Venus is a Russian planet because it has been sending probes on the planet. 
Since 1970, Russia has been landing probes on Venus and has been planning for a new mission to, con uh, to continue exploring the planet. The new mission is still in its planning stage and is likely uh, going to be conducted with NASA. So they're still working with NASA. You know, okay, so now we're getting away from the article. They're still working with NASA. So they're working with the United States. They need the United States help, but they want to claim this as their own. And this just goes to show that you have to have somebody strong in the positions of power in this country who is somewhat bold like President Trump. Otherwise, look at what, look, just look at the wording and how they think that they own the planet because they've been doing missions here. They feel like they've owned, they own it. So that's no different than us putting the American flag on the moon and saying it's ours. It's the exact same thing. Just because you've spent money and done some missions here, you decide you own it. That's just, I feel that just sounds foolish to me, but it is what it is. The real story here is that there could be life on Venus. And this planet is huge. Um, and now we're just finding that there is potentially life. There is potentially life on Venus. Um, so I, I want to see the probes done and the, the searching on this planet and seeing what else can be turned up. But you have to be very careful when you're dealing with Russia. And as a people, we have to push on our elected officials to continue to be mindful of Russia and that they are an opportunist nation and they're going to uh, try anything they can to gain an advantage over us. And this is another uh, example of that when they are claiming to own Venus because they've done missions there uh, for so long. It's very interesting how this all works out and this comes together, and especially the timing of this, too. See, science always has weird timing, you know, like this is all coming out and rolling out before the election. So most people aren't really even looking into this or caring about it because they've been so disenfranchised by the, the news, the mainstream media. They're not worried about something like this. So when this comes across and this starts to make waves, that's why I wanted to talk about it on the show. And I just look at what Trump's done and been able to do with the military, growing the military, giving the military uh, more adequate funding, and creating this space force now run by the Air Force, which makes perfect sense. and. This is exactly why you need a space force, because in the future, it's not even potentially you're going to have issues in space with other nations. It's going to happen. Now, we want those issues to be nonviolent, and that's why we have a space force. Because you have to have some type of strength. You have to be able to show strength. Otherwise, you'll be taken advantage of. 
Very good information by the Science Times. Another interesting part of this piece goes into about uh, why Americans were shocked in 1957. Russia sent Sputnik, the world's first artificial satellite in space. It was then that Americans realized the Russians were capable of sending satellites, which eventually led to the space race. So that takes it back. That takes everybody back right there. So right now, the name of the project is Venera D Project. It's in cooperation with NASA. And just because Russia claims that they have an ownership here doesn't mean they do. Venus is, like I said, this is a massive planet. Imagine what can be turned up here if they already found phosphine in the atmosphere of Venus, which could be a sign of life. So we're not saying there is life, but we're saying there is possible life here, which is a more than we've gotten in any other um, possible uh, piece of uh, space uh, information. So this biosignature has really just changed the way we now are viewing space. If you care about space, I always found space to be interesting. And now that we are seeing the potential for life in Venus, that's always going to open the door to think there's potential life on other planets. But just focusing on Venus, the potential is, is incredible for the future of space and the future of technology and life in general. So we'll get into uh, something you probably didn't hear that kind of just went under the rug this week. Kind of just slipped by everybody. We're going to pick on Walmart a little bit. Our good friends over at Walmart, our good friends at Wally World, Ars Technica, great technology website. I like their technology blog and all their different information they post. Jim Salter has a good piece for us, and I recommend reading this. We found out who makes Walmart's new gateway laptops, and it's bad news. So, when you see a title like that, it can only make you think, oh no, here we go. In 2007, Taiwan-based PC manufacturer Acer bought the once iconic gateway brand. Now, I've had an Acer computer, okay? I remember Acer. I know what Acer is. I know all about Acer. I, I remember having an Acer computer. Now, in order to stick a thumb in the eye of its rival OEM Lenovo and increase its U.S. market present, and then 13 years since, the Gateway brand has languished largely unused 
while Acer built up its own name in the United States directly. The cow is officially back now, though with a new line of mostly budgets, Walmart-exclusive gateway laptops. The new line ranges from 180 bucks to 1000 bucks. So there you go. A lot of them look good. And uh, Ars Technica, they've done some digging here, and they found out uh, the models of who's made these. What these are are Evo systems. So what is that? So Evo systems are import devices made by Shenzhen Bjorn Technology. Hmm, what's that, you would say, right? A Chinese national brand. We found U.S. custom records of Evo, importing from Bjorn with devices under both the Gateway brand and Evo's own inside the same shipment. There you go. So you have Walmart, who's always known to have Chinese products. And in their lower-end brand of laptops to their higher-end brand of laptops. These are Chinese national brand-made garbage laptops. And this is, again, going back to major corporations relying on China. And then in return, the consumer's options are from China, making China wealthy, making the corporations wealthy, and giving the consumer a not-so-good product for a not-so-good price. So Walmart, I call on you to do better. And some other technology news. Something else I wanted to get into about tech. Take-Two CEO, which is a game development company. They believe Sony will have an aggressive approach to next-gen content and marketing. They don't include Xbox in that headline. Or talk about the Xbox much there. They just talk about Sony and what they're going to be bringing to the PlayStation. Which is great. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. That there's enthusiasm uh, for the PS5. Great. I'm more of an Xbox person myself, but I really like games that have the cross-platform where you could play against people on PlayStation or on the Switch for certain games because the Switch doesn't have the same type of controller. I don't necessarily want to play against the PC people that have a keyboard and mouse because that's a little bit unfair. Um, although it's like this, it's all, it's nearly the same if you're good with a controller, but this, the Xbox, and I've seen the comparisons where basically the Xbox has the better system, but PlayStation is going to have the better marketing and more games, more exclusive games. Um, that's the only way they're going to do better than the Xbox. Now, you know, I could be wrong. More people could just like PlayStation and that's just the way things are now. But I still have a feeling that the Xbox dominates this next generation in the console part. 
the console race alone, I think the Xbox does really well. I think the PlayStation uh, will be good, but I also think the Xbox uh, is the preferred console. Now, most games you can play on both systems. Like, there's very few games that I that I personally would look at and be like, oh, yeah, I got to play that. If only I had a PS5 for this. There's, like, The Last of Us is not that for me. There's really not many. I don't play many games like that. So when I play a game, it's got to be really two things. It's got to be exciting. And it's got to be something that I'm good at in a certain amount of time. Because I'm not going to be spending too much time trying to get good at this. Because that's it's a video game. So it's got to be something that I can get good at. That I'm, you know, it's like, okay, it feels more of a fit than me trying so hard to get good at this game. Where then, oh, the new one comes out. Now I got to readjust. So it's got to be pretty easy to learn. Because then I can really do well and like even get, be, look really, really good at it. And then it's also got to be fun. It's got to be entertaining. It's got to be able to keep me busy for 20 minutes to an hour for what I want to play the game for. Or uh, when your friend's over or whatever. So I think Xbox, again, dominates console. They, they're going to dominate the console sales. I think Sony, they dominate the game sales. And I think that's your next gen console race. And then the play, the, the PC is the PC. It is what it is. There's tons, there's the thousands of great PCs out there. There's only two giant consoles coming out. Ad Blitz for the fair tax in Illinois. Now, what do you, what do you think I'm saying to you? I'm telling you that I have seen non-stop ad after ad on when I'm listening to different podcasts and they come across or I'm listening to music or I'm listening to uh, the radio, the TV, watching the TV, whatever it is, uh, YouTube video. I'm seeing a massive blitz, massive. For this progressive tax, this fair tax in Illinois. Now, if you're not from Illinois, you're not an Illinois listener. Let me educate you on this. We have a flat tax. So that's what it is. It's a flat tax. So they want to put in a graduated income tax. And they're dressing a graduated income tax up. The progressives in the state, the Democrat machine, led by J.B. Pritzker, who's the governor. They are dressing this fair, is what they call a fair tax. And they, they're saying rich people are going to pay more and poor people, well, your taxes will stay the same. They may even go down is what they're claiming. That you might even see where you live, your taxes go down based on, they're going to base it on the county you live in. So, for the state income tax, ours is a flat tax, which means that is what it is. It does not go up unless they vote on that tax to be raised. So, if there's no vote, 
through the legislative branch, the tax is not going to be raised for income. And you can Google a progressive tax versus a flat tax, and the balance.com will probably come up on that search. And they have a great piece here on the flat tax system versus the progressive tax system. Flat percentage applies to all income levels. Everyone pays the same rate. It often eliminates deductions and credits, which is good because then the wealthy and the mega wealthy cannot continue to get all these different credits and basically end up paying nothing um, because they sure businesses and things like that will get off. But that's the thing about financial engineering. Financial engineering can be used very, very viciously to avoid paying taxes. And I, and, and when you see shortfalls or you find out businesses are not paying much in taxes, there's some type of financial engineering that in my belief is, is causing that. Now, a progressive tax system is wealthier taxpayers pay higher percentages. Spending is rewarded through deductions. So, those two things are very progressive, but they're not progressive in the sense like they move us all forward. Then you have to see the percentages increase as income rises. So as you make more money in your life, your tax rate goes up. So the government gets to take more from you because you're doing better. They don't. There, there's, and people will still want you to donate. So, this is your money. You work for the money. You earn the money. Don't let these cons take more of your money. It's a flat tax system. You know what they can do with the flat tax system? Our legislative branches. Our legislative branch in the state of Illinois, let's be specific, can vote to lower our income tax. You want to do something for the people, lower our income tax. But instead, they're trying to, in, in my humble opinion, louse it up. And now you'll have a progressive tax system where different counties in the state will pay different tax rates and the people that make a ton of money in one county will move to different county that pays a lower tax rate. And that's not going to solve anybody's problems in our state. And it's not going to fix or cover the financial shortfalls that have been made by the 40 years of Democrat progressive machine failures in the Illinois House, in the Illinois Senate, and in the Illinois executive branch on the governor, on the governor's part, on the governor's behalf. The mayors across Chicago to surrounding suburbs that have failed to pay their share, failed to get their finances on under control are also to blame. Reducing the income tax rate will attract business. No doubt about it. 
you lower the tax rate on the, the corporate tax on the businesses, they'll want to come here. If you lower the income tax for the people, businesses will want to come here. They'll say, oh, the people uh, are, are making more money here. They're, be, they're able to keep more of their money here, so they're going to be able to spend that money at my business. You lower the corporate tax, you get the business here. See, they haven't messed up so bad. Don't don't ever forget they work for us. These politicians, they, they work for us, and that is the way it was set up. And no nobody should tell you any different because they're wrong. Constitutionally, they're wrong. And as far as the human element goes, they're wrong. It's we the people. So we get into sports headlines. Big Ten College football's back. Thank the good Lord. I thought the Big Ten was going to make this mistake. I thought they were going to make this mistake that was so crushing, that was so devastating for the teams, the programs, the colleges, universities, up the chain, down the chain. This was going to be so devastating. But they were able to get it right. I give credit to President Trump for standing tough on this issue, for pushing on them, for making it public and making it known and putting a little bit of heat under their seat. It needed to happen. It needed to happen. These people are eating high on the hog. They don't understand that these athletes have worked so hard their entire lives for these opportunities. These coaches have worked very hard. Younger coaches, older coaches, the people on the staff. And then on top of that, the students that want to go and support their team, their fellow classmen. You see, you can't take certain things away from people because you're worried about extenuating circumstances. Life has to be lived. And the Big Ten is full of life. I love it. We got the what, October 24th. October 24th. So it's going to be a little bit. But we got plenty of football to hold us over. We got plenty of football to hold us over. No one's going to freak out, and we're going to be talking about NFL, and I'm going to give you all my picks uh, for Sunday, so you have all my picks. So you're going to wake up, you're going to have all my picks, you're going to be freaking ecstatic. We're going to get into that really quick here, but one more thing I wanted to talk about is Jimmy Butler trademarking his coffee name. Did you hear about this? Did you hear about this? Jimmy Butler trademarking his coffee name. I made the joke that, uh, you know, him and his teammates are down there in Miami, uh, drinking coffee too much. And, uh, that's why they almost, uh, that's why they, uh, lost, uh, the, the game, uh, the game they did against the box. And, uh, here comes Jimmy Butler. Finally, the trademark for Big Face Coffee. I love the name, by the way. 
Big Face Coffee. And this is going to be Jimmy Butler's new coffee brand. I freaking love this story. This is great. And yeah, I mean, I just think you can read it on Yahoo. Um, it, I just think this is awesome. It just shows that another, you know, positive thing this week that's come about. And I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Big face coffee. You gotta love that. You gotta love big face coffee. Who doesn't love some big face coffee? Like that sounds like something you would have in your kitchen. Big face coffee. Wake up. You got Folgers. You got big face coffee. That's it. I'm all about that. So we got NFL. Full slate of games. Big slate. I'm talking fat slate of games uh, for today. Because now we're pushing in. It's early in the morning. I'm having a good time. It's 2 in the morning right now. I'm doing the show. I'm having a great time. This is good right here. Atlanta versus Dallas. So we got Atlanta versus Dallas right here. This is at noon. Central time. I like, in this game, I like Atlanta. On ESPN Picks, Skin Pick'em, 20% of people have picked Atlanta, opposed to 80% of people who have picked the Cowboys. I'm not holding back. I like Atlanta this week. Matt Ryan, one of the better regular uh, season quarterbacks over the last five years. Against Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott out of the backfield, which just hasn't shown me anything. They haven't shown me anything I, I think is going to uh, blow this game uh, uh, out of the water. I do like what I've seen from uh, rookie wide receiver for the Cowboys, C.D. Uh, CD Lamb. I did like what I've seen from him, but they're... Top two wide receivers. They're two studs. Uh, they're, they didn't look like they came out of the gate right. They have a chance to get right against the Falcons. I think they'll be better this week than they were last week, but I think the Cowboys drop this one and they go all with two. I, I just don't know. I don't see it with Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys. It looks weird. It doesn't make sense. They're not. They couldn't beat the Rams. I don't know. It just it 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 just doesn't look right to me over there in Dallas. I think they have more trouble than uh, anybody's uh, uh, leading to or leading on to that you'll hear in the media. I think Dallas is in some trouble down there. I don't think this Mike McCarthy thing is exactly what they like the fairy tale honeymoon they think it's going to be. Atlanta. I I don't I'm just glad I'm not a a fan of either of these teams. I could live with not being right on this, but man, as a fan of either of these franchises, I guess if you were were a Cowboys fan, you're you're really high on these, this team. The Cowboys fans are always high on their team. It's one thing about being a Cowboys fan. Like rain, sleet, or snow, you Cowboys fans are on it. Uh. Atlanta, they're going to get this one, though. They're going to do it. Their defense sucks, but the Cowboys' defense is whack, too. Their Cowboys' front seven doesn't have enough push. There's not enough pressure. There's not enough push off the line. 
and the Falcons' defense, I feel like they're going to play a little bit better this week. I just have a feeling, gut feeling. Bills versus Dolphins. Um, 5% of people on ESPN picks can pick them have taken the Dolphins. Uh, 95% of people here have taken the Bills. I'm rolling with the Bills. I like what the Bills are doing. I like this weird thing they got going on in the backfield. I like this weird wide receiver group they have uh, with Stefan Diggs. This is just a weird team. And they're put together in a weird time with this pandemic going on, but also with Tom Brady not being there and now you got Cam Newton in your division. I really see them beating the Patriots twice. I, I definitely could see it. But this Josh Allen, a quarterback for Buffalo Bills, gets no respect from the mainstream sports news. He's good, man. Don't be surprised. And then the Singletary out of the backfield. Um, And then their third stringer, TJ Yeldon. He can catch the ball in, in the red zone situations. He can get out in open space. They got Cole Beasley. I like him. John Brown. Stefan Diggs at receiver. Like I said, Stefan Diggs. But they, their defense is a 4-3 with like a lot of guys on here, guys you just probably not heard of. Like Mecca Hyde I know from Green Bay. He didn't work out there. He wasn't bad. He just he didn't fit well in that scheme. And he plays a lot better here. So this 4-3 defense up front, they get a lot of push. Ed Oliver, Vernon Butler, Trent Murphy. They get, this team is not a bad team. This Buffalo Bills team, I like them. They're going to win this game. They're going to do it against this Dolphins team. That's just lowly, boring. Meth- not, I couldn't even say methodical. I like to say methodical when it's a team that does, like they, when a team goes at a slow pace, but they, they do well, that's methodical. When a team is just not that good, they're just not that good, man. And that's just this team. Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, fade, fade that. That's not even realistic. Like if I was a head coach, I'm a young, I'm a younger guy, right? So I'm not, I wouldn't be head coach age, but. If I'm head coach, Tua, uh, Tagalovia, he's in there, man. Fitzpatrick, you're the bench. Put a headset on. That that's a done deal. Um, because your defense is like something you guys have put together. It's like this defense is supposed to be good, and their offense can't do anything. That's just sad. The Dolphins are just really in a sad place. I've still, to this day, I think I've never met, I'm pretty sure I've never met, met a Dolphins fan. And I've been to Florida. Bears versus Giants. Uh, 21% of people took the Giants here. 79% of people took the Bears. At first, my instinct was the Bears. The Giants, then I said, nope. Barkley had a bad week last week. He's going to be hot this week. They're not going to even mess around trying to run up the middle too much. They're not going to be doing too much silly stuff against 
Khalil Mack and trying to challenge that Bears front seven. That's not where you want to be. You want to be on the outside. You want to be slant routes. You want to be down the field. You don't want to be going up the middle against this Khalil Mack defense uh, against the Bears. Then I started thinking about this Khalil Mack defense against the Bears. And I started thinking about this New York Giants quarterback and Mitch against Mitch, Mitch Trubisky. I believed Mitch Trubisky was going to start. You can go through my tweets. You can go through whatever. I believe Mitch Trubisky was going to start. Also on Facebook, I was talking to people on my page. Mitch Trubisky was, was going to start over Nick Foles. Nick Foles is there for a backup purpose because he's a solid backup quarterback at this stage in his career. And it happened fast. It happened very fast. But that's how the NFL is nowadays. It's not the NFL you knew from 2005. It's not the NFL you knew from 2010. This is a way different NFL. This is not even the 2013-2015 NFL. This is 2020. And it the this level of play is different now. The game is a different set of rules even from them. So we're playing under different rules, rules that have advanced and changed not everything, but really a multitude of things have changed. So it's not just one thing. It's so many things changing in the NFL. So you got the New York Giants run to 3-4 defense. Hey, I like a 3-4 defense if you're if you do it well. So the Giants have uh Blake Martinez in a 3-4 defense. Used to play for the Packers, came over to the Giants, and I like him there. I think that's that's the guy they need to look to. They need to look to him. He was the leading tackler for the Packers last year. And this is the guy you need to look to. Uh, to lead this team. I, he's played the Bears many times. So knowing that, knowing he knows how to play the Bears, this Giants defense is going to be good against Trubisky this week. And I don't like this Giants defense. But two guys on this defense that I absolutely love are Blake Martinez and Jabril Peppers. They're both going to have big weeks. Now, Dexter Lawrence has a lot to prove to me. And on this level, maybe this week is a is a better is a is a better week for him. But I I, I still got to see a lot more from him. I'm expecting a lot from him. You're playing in a three four now in the NFL. So this Giants defense is a little bit different. They need help from Daniel Jones or quarterback. I don't feel like they're going to get it this week. My instincts were Bears. Go with the Bears. That I was leaning towards the Giants. But I'm staying with my instincts. I'm telling you, I believe the Bears are going to win. Probably by a field goal. If not by a touchdown, by a field goal. But the Bears win. They win this one. This next game, we're going to have a little fun with. We got the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Denver Broncos. And I mean, this is one of those games that you look at on paper and you say, oh, I, I like Pittsburgh, you know, and it makes sense. You got Mike Tomlin, great head coach, Ben Roethlisberger, good quarterback. 
James Conner is going to play great running back. But then you got to even take it uh, a step farther than that. And you got to say, okay, if this is uh, exactly what the Steelers have with a good receiving core on top of it, so then throw in that good receiving core on top of everything else I've mentioned to you, you got to go head to head with the Denver Broncos team that's going to be better this week. They found out what they're doing in that backfield. Melvin Gordon is getting the bulk of the carries. Uh, he's going to be getting the most out of that situation. And Philip Lindsay is uh, going to basically get him where he fits in. And then you have Jerry Judy. Um, and I, I see him being targeted a lot again against this Pittsburgh Steelers secondary that can be challenged. I like this front seven for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they have a really good front seven. I really do. But I think you got a Broncos team with Drew Locke at quarterback that is destined to be a great team. And it's not going to be this year. But they're going to surprise people. They're going to win games that you don't think they, they're going to win. And this is one of those games. This is one of those games where Drew Locke gets it going. He's, he's going to struggle at certain points because TJ Watt and the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is very good at getting pressure. But you're going to have a Broncos team that rises to the challenge because Melvin Gordon, Phillip Lindsay, they'll get the wheels going on the bus this week. Then you got to account for the receiving core they have, which is an, a, a very impressive receiving core. Drew Locke has the weapons. He's not short on weapons in this game. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are not short on weapons in this game. So it's a battle of weapons versus weapons. Ben Roethlisberger has his weapons, and Drew Locke has his weapons. You got Roethlisberger, who's the better passer than Locke, but Locke, who's got the better mobility at quarterback. I that Ben Roethlisberger rolling out of the pocket, play action, that's all limited. That's all going to be limited. You're not going to have a ton of that play action and all these different creative. Uh, you know, you're not going to see the flea flicker. You're not going to see a lot of creativity with Pittsburgh Steelers. You know what you're getting. They're going to try to run the ball down your throat, and they're going to dink and dunk you in the pass game. And that's what Ben Roethlisberger likes to do. When he gets rolling out, that could spell trouble for this Pittsburgh Steelers team. And I'm talking about turnovers. I'm talking about defense scoring points. And there's a good chance you get that this week. And there's, you know, all different angles you can look at this game but I like I like this Melvin Gordon thing and I'm seeing Philip Lindsay's going to be uh out so I'm now seeing Philip Lindsay's going to be out but I like this Melvin Gordon uh situation because he's already getting the bulk of the carries he's already getting the majority of the time 
there's no reason that's not going to go. Cortland Sutton's questionable. If he doesn't play, then the Broncos know what to do because they, they had to deal with it last week. So Jerry Judy might be your number one receiver, but Noah Font is good at tight end. He showed you a little bit of what he can do last week. And people are down on the Broncos, but I say they're going to beat you when you least expect it. That's They're one of these teams that, that can do it, and they got a 3-4 defense that's very talented. So I think this is a situational game, and it's all about uh, this game specifically. I think whoever ends up with better uh, uh, field position when they get to start their drive is going to end up with the most points and end up winning. And I like Juju Smith-Schuster for the Pittsburgh Steelers at, at their wide receiver spot. And Eric Ebron at tight end was really good in the beginning of the game for the Steelers, and then he faded. And then he was just faded out. But the 3-4 defense for the Steelers, 3-4 defense for the Broncos, both defenses are good. But I'm telling you, I don't like um this weird Ben Roethlisberger rolling out of the pocket thing. It doesn't look good. This Broncos 3-4 defense has been studying this. They're seeing where they're going to be able to attack. And I think this week they do get it done. I think it goes down this week. They got plenty of uh, guys that can step up and, and get it done. Um, and I think the Steelers are good, but I also think they're going to have a little bit of a tougher time this week against uh, the Broncos. I think the Broncos have some good energy on that team right now. I like I like that vibe they're giving. The Lions versus the Packers. I'm all in on the Packers. 97% of people pick the Packers. 3% of people pick the Lions. I'm all in. I'm all in on the Packers. Um, last week beat the Vikings. The Vikings tried to rally at the end, but it was too little too late. This Packers team in all phases of the game was great last week. Defense, I'd like to see them Tighten it up at the end of the game. That's my one criticism. Tighten it up at the end of the game. Um, other than that, I was really impressed. Um, and also, at the beginning of the game, the first two drives for the Packers, good drives, but need to work on red zone efficiency. Like Sometimes on first down, you just need to run the ball. You just need to run it. This first down, just run the ball. Sometimes I think the Packers would benefit from that instead of trying to force it. So I'd like to see those two things. I think they beat the Lions handily. I don't, I'm not impressed with this Lions team. I'm not even really going to get talk it. What's there really to talk about with that one for me? Um, I don't see, I don't see where the Lions went, you know, have a chance of winning in that game. I just, I don't see it. It's, it's sad to say. I just don't see it happening. Tennessee Titans versus Jaguars. Jaguars win one game, and I feel like everybody's expecting them to win the Super Bowl. Like, 
that's what social media turned into is like a Jaguars frenzy. Like, yeah, don't, don't uh, doubt Gardner mentioned. Like, dude, it's one game, bro. Tennessee Titans, Derrick Henry, old man QB. They're going to do it. They're going to do it this week. They got with the weapons. They got the defense. Everybody, uh, is eating lean. Everybody's hitting mean. This team is a machine. This Titans team is a machine. They showed you what they, what they're about. They don't, they're not playing around. They're not messing off out here. And then this week, they're really going to get it going. I feel like they're really going to get it going this week. Like everybody better pay attention this week. The Titans are going to get it done. It's going to be a fun game against the Jaguars. So I think Minshew will play well. But I think the Titans defense is going to stop that crazy talk that we've been getting about Minshew. I think that talk's about to be coming to an end for at least a week. Because I think the Titans defense is going to get after Gardner this week. Vikings versus the Colts. Everybody thinks the Vikings. 73% of people picked the Vikings. 27% for the, 27% for the Colts. Is that because Marlon Mack is out, maybe? Because he's not playing. I like this Phillip Rivers. I know I'm, I was, I was skeptical last, last time we talked about this. But, folks, this is, this is going to be good for Phillip Rivers this week. You got a really, uh, Vikings team that has a really soft secondary. And I just, I just mean soft, like they just give up to everything. It might be, you know, okay, they come and tighten it up this week. No, I don't. I still think at the end of this game they fall apart, even if it was close. I like what Phillip Rivers can do, throwing the football. Kirk Cousins wasn't that impressive last week. Like, in the fourth quarter, he finally woke up. But he was sleepwalking in that game for three and a half quarters. Um. Adam Thielen, really good. Jack Doyle's out for the Colts. But uh, that's not going to make much of a difference. Naeem Hines running the ball for the Colts. I like him. He's going to be good. Don't sleep on him. If you have him in fantasy, that's a play for flex. Play him at the flex. T.Y. Hilton, I'm, he's, I got him in uh, fantasy wide receiver this week. That's going to be good. That's good all day, son. Yeah, Phillip Rivers, Jonathan Taylor running the ball, Naeem Hines. That's going to be good for the Colts. Why are people down on the Colts like this? I don't understand that. Their defense is good, too. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'd say find a good spot for that game, but I like the Colts. Find find the best betting spot you could find in that. I would say, you know, Colts money lines got to be one of the better spots. Um, But the Vikings just, I don't know what's going on with that defense. I think you got a front seven that plays a good two quarters. 
That's what I see. They played a good two quarters. And that was it. Third quarter came around, fourth quarter came around, and the Vikings defense was out of there. So that front seven is going to give you good two quarters. The Colts defense, I'm not saying they're a lot better than that. You know, I'm really not. Let's see. Yeah, Vikings, just a weird situation with the Vikings over there. Money line. So the money line is Andy minus 170. And Minnesota plus 150. So minus 170, that's, I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. Over 48 and a half, minus 115. Yeah, that's a good spot. That's a fine spot indeed. Next game we got the Rams versus the Eagles. 76% of people on the Rams, 24% of people on the Eagles. That's that's definitely right. Um, I don't know what people see in this Eagles team right now. I'm confused with what they're doing out there. That's not it's not a very fun thing to watch. The Rams are a team that should play better than they did last week, even though they won against the Cowboys. I just think they're going to play better. Plus 109 on the money line for the Rams. Minus 129 for Philly. Plus 109 on the money line for the Rams is solid. I wouldn't think too hard about that. If you want to, you can. If you want to hurt your head. But I'd, I'd say Philly can't run the ball. They just, there's nothing doing there. And the Rams defense is good at stopping the run. Um, It's going to be trouble for Philly this week. I like the Rams in that one. San Francisco versus the Jets. San Francisco, I'm not uh, high on this team. They had, they lost last week against the Cardinals. The Jets, I'm definitely not high on the Jets. So this is basically a lesser of two evil situation. Um, I, I like the 49ers. 97% of people are, are right about this at 3% for the Jets. So three, there are Jets fans. There are Jets fans, 3%, like the Jets. It, it is very possible. The Jets are a weird franchise in general. It's a weird franchise. Two New York teams, it's just weird. Um, I, I am uh, interested in seeing how that plays out, though. But, yeah. 49ers are going to take that. I like Jimmy Garoppolo. He's good. Everybody gets down on Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, after one game. No, man, he he's good. I was down on him a lot early in early in the year last year. That was last year. Things change. This this year Jimmy Garoppolo's got the weapons that uh and, and my stance changed in the playoffs. When he beat the back, when they took out the backers, Jimmy Garoppolo is a really good quarterback. Um, Mostert running the ball. That's really, uh, that's a good situation. And George Kittle is, what's he out? He's going to be out. So 
49ers are going to be short that maybe that's why the 3% too are just some people fading that situation. But don't put too much stock into just one player because Jordan Reed at tight end is really good too. And the 49ers run a three wide receiver tight end base set. That's their set usually is three wide receivers, one tight end. It's what their playbook's based off of. 4-3 defense is their awesome defense. So I like their defense a lot. I like their offense. Even without Kittle, they're going to pretty much handle the Jets. They can't run the ball. The Jets don't have a run game. There's no, there's nothing doing in that backfield. Panthers versus Tampa Bay. 90% of people are on the Buccaneers. This is going to be good. I've, I've really been waiting to talk about this game. There's, there's a few things I want to say about this game here. This Carolina Panthers team. Showed me a lot last week with Teddy Bridgewater really getting his own show. And Christian McCaffrey being just a breakout player. He he is having a breakout game. And DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, Farrell Cooper. They have different weapons of wide receiver. Now they lost to the Raiders. But it was close the whole way through. The 4-3 defense, I think a lot of times, is what hurts the Panthers. They, and just like in their history, the 4-3 defense stopped working a long time ago. Like 2006-7, it stopped working. That is not what they should be running. I just don't agree with that. I think the Panthers need to be a 3-4 team in the NFC South. I think this 4-3 defense thing for them is not a good situation. That's where they're getting, that's where they're losing games. It's not on the offensive side. It's on the defensive side. They're doing the work on the offensive side. But Tampa Bay is not doing the work on the offensive side. And it's not first game jitters. Tom Brady's a six-time champion. Okay, it's not first game jitters. Um, What it is, is this Buccaneers team is just not that good. And bringing Gronkowski in there, and not nothing's really changed. There's no Chris Godwin playing. Um, Mike Evans is very quiet. <clears throat> the bright the bright and shining star for Tampa Bay is a running back, Ronald Jones II. I they have a, a three headed monster in that backfield with uh, LaShawn McCoy, Fournette, and Ronald Jones II. But I I just think this is the team with just a lot of talent that is just doesn't hasn't had the time to come together. And their defense is a 3-4. And it's not a bad defense uh with Jason Pierre Paul, Nadama Kansu, Vita Vea, uh William Golston, Shaquille Barrett. It's a really good cast on that defense. But this team just doesn't look like a threatening 
playoff team. Now, again, it was the first, it was one game. It's hard to base a team off just one game. But the magnitude of how they lost that game against the Saints, a division opponent, division rival, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, a legendary quarterback versus legendary quarterback, Super Bowl champion versus Super Bowl champion. And just the way that the Buccaneers responded in the game after being down leads me to believe the Panthers win this week. That they kept it so close with the Raiders. They had their opportunities to win. That they're not going to let this go two weeks into the season. I like the run game from the Panthers. This is Buccaneers defense, even though I like them. They struggled to contain the run. They struggled to contain the pass. I don't think that all gets fixed in one week. I think the Panthers really do what they have to do to win this game. And I, I don't think the Buccaneers look that good on offense this week either. Tom Brady, to me, on this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team is going to need a year for that to gel. I think right now what you're seeing is Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like this Tom Brady situation go with him going to Tampa Bay from New England reminds me of Joe Montana going from the San Francisco 49ers to the Kansas City Chiefs. And But the flip side of that is Joe Montana took that 1993 Kansas City Chiefs team to almost a Super Bowl. And uh, he lost to the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. And uh, that Buffalo Bills team with Thurman Thomas and just the great supporting cast that they had over there. But um, it, it was incredible to me that Tom Brady comes here in this situation. And I just didn't feel like it, it made a difference in that game. Like the Buccaneers situation is what it is. But I just didn't feel like Tom Brady coming to the Buccaneers made much of an impact. So I think that needs a year to gel. I think Brady plays two years. I think he's got this year and one more year left. No matter what happens. I think that's what Brady's got left. This league is fast. And then, you know, after we get through this COVID next year, is going to look a lot different than this year. Um, and the game's getting faster. So I think that this Tom Brady situation needs this year to work out. I think they still can have a very positive year, but I think it's going to take this year to work out and then coming into next season, build through the draft, some free agency moves, Tom Brady gets some more help, and then you could see them kind of have that 1993-type season the Chiefs had, but maybe they get over the that type of team, you know, like that, like that uh, Buffalo Bills team was, and they can get to a Super Bowl. So... That's that's what I see this Tom Brady situation with Tampa Bay being. It reminds me a lot like that Joe Montana going to the Kansas City Chiefs in 93. Um, Washington versus Arizona. So the Bird Gang's in full effect. I like the Cardinals here. 88% of people are rolling with the Cardinals against the Washington football team. 12% of people Washington football team. Um, Yeah, I like Kyle. Uh, Kyler Murray to outduel Dwayne Haskins Jr. I like that. Give me that. And then, uh, as far as, uh, 
wide receivers go. I like the Larry Fitzgerald paired um, up very nicely with Ky- Kyler Murray. They've been able to work together um, for a season. So that's really, I think, helped. Larry Fitzgerald is still beastly. But Larry Fitzgerald really pairs up nicely with DeAndre Hopkins. And you can't sleep on Hopkins. Like, he's going to get his every week. Like, you cannot sleep on him. He's going to get his every week. He's going to get his against the Washington football team. I just like the Cardinals in that one. I think they win that handily. Kansas City Chiefs versus the Chargers. Fade the Chargers. 97% of people are rolling with the 1-0 Chiefs. I'm rolling with the Chiefs. It's Patrick Mahomes. That offense, Sammy Watkins has come alive. I mean, just everything's going right. Andy Reid is out there like Boba Fett. Everything's going right. And I just feel like the Los Angeles Chargers are just this team that has no identity. And they're just, it's whatever. They're just going through the motions. Baltimore Ravens versus Houston Texans. Um, Houston, very disappointing. Uh, they're going to try to shut everybody up this week, but it's not going to happen because the Baltimore Ravens are that good and Lamar Jackson's that good. And this offense for the Ravens is that good. You know, I feel about running the ball as a quarterback and rushing quarterbacks. I just don't. It's very, very scary business, risky business, but I like it this week, especially if they're running to the opposite side. J.J. Watts on. That seems to be working. New England Patriots versus Seahawks. Everybody's rolling with the Seahawks. I see why I talk about dangerous Russell Wilson all the time. He's awesome. Um, but I'm not like high on Seattle like everybody else is. I think Seattle's offense is good. I think their defense is awful. I think that the Patriots are able to win this game. I think the Patriots defense is very physical. Their their safeties are good. Their corners are their their secondary as a whole is a very good unit for the Patriots. That's that's the bread and butter that Russell Wilson's going to have some trouble with this week, and uh, that's that's really the bread and butter of that Patriots defense is that secondary that holds it together. So yeah, I like the Patriots to win. Fifteen percent of people at the Patriots. I completely understand it. Seahawks are the favorite. They should be the favorite, but I feel like people are doubting the Patriots and what Cam Newton brings to that team in the red zone. I like what the Patriots can do. I feel like with a good defense, there's going to be plenty of of uh, opportunities well, with good field position for the Patriots to run up a check, and I think they do it this week against the Seahawks. Then we got Monday night, um, New Orleans Saints versus Las Vegas Raiders. <clears throat> Everybody uh, is pretty much rolling with the Saints here, 88% on ESPN Pick'em. Las Vegas Raiders, 12% picked. I like the Saints. I'll give you a final score on that game. Saints win 38-27 to against the Raiders. I think uh, the Raiders are a team, from what I've seen, that if they run the ball well, it's going to open up the passing game. And this is true for a lot of teams, but especially with the Raiders right now. If Carr is not a quarterback, I'll be very specific, Carr is not a quarterback that can get comfortable right away. 
he needs there to be a rhythm established. So with that being said, Saints are going to try to keep them off rhythm. The Saints defense is ferocious. I'm not going to say they're for real yet. They're definitely not pretenders, but I'm not going to say they're for real yet because they beat Tampa Bay and made Tampa Bay look silly. I need to see more. Give me a little bit more of a sample. I need a bigger scoop. So give me uh, this week to see. But I like the Saints to win no matter what because Drew Brees and that offense is just jelling. That looks nice out there. And that Raiders defense I'm not high on. I don't care what they say about that. The Raiders offensive line is good. But that that is also kind of, I feel like, the story that's been pushed just to give the offensive line a little bit of love, which I'm fine with. But, I mean, I I just I don't read much into that. This Saints defense showed me some really good things last week. I'm not super high on them, but they're definitely not pretenders. They're going to put the Raiders in some awkward situations, and I think the Saints look better at the end of this game and win this one, 38-27. So we talked about a lot of the coolest news of the week that I you know, thought when I was reading to myself and I decided I want to come and talk to you about it. And we, you know, we could all enjoy that. And then we got in the NFL, um, talked a little bit about sports headlines. And ultimately, it was very enjoyable being here with you all. Remember, you can find the show on anchor.fm slash Preston Super Show. Again, that's anchor.fm slash Preston Super Show. You can go to Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, listen to Preston Super Show. Don't forget to share it, like it, whatever you want to do. And thank you for listening. Go to fancypreston.com. I have plenty of things on there that I've written. You can read and I keep up with sports. So there's always something on there that uh, you'll find interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, just like the hands of time, I'm turning it over to you. Good night, everyone.